T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. It's Todd Feinberg. It's Todd Feinberg. Monday through Friday, 3 till 6 on WTIC News Talk 1080. Well, good afternoon to you Monday. Here we go. Another week underway. Oh, listen to this. We were talking about education earlier. Maybe this doesn't matter. You tell me if this matters. This is uh, kids, you know, middle school, high school being interviewed. They're, they're being actually shown a clock and told they can have the clock if they can tell what time it is. And listen to the responses. It's quite amusing and depressing. Read the time off this clock correctly. You win the clock. Uh, dude, I've never seen one of these before. I'm used to digital, man. You have seen a clock before? No. Uh, 7-12. Nobody is close to having the right time except for one kid who gets within five minutes. Sure. Is it 12 12-10? 12-10. 12-09? 12-09. Yeah, you're close. No, no. He wasn't close. Wasn't close at all. 9-25. 9-25. Close. You're five minutes off. Oh. This thing is 902. 902. 209. 209. Okay. <laughs> so that was uh, that one was was pretty interesting. 902 was with the uh, you know the minute hand over way over not on the two minutes but on the two o'clock. And they, they don't know the difference between the big hand and the little hand. Oh. This thing is 902. 902. 209. 209. Okay. Why would it be 902? Why would we be in school at 902? Now they're having an argument, these two girls, over what time it is. Why wouldn't we be in school at 902? Okay. So what's the conclusion, guys? 902. 209. <laughs> They can't read a clock today. Okay, let's let the viewers decide. Like 6.74. 6.74. She's trying to tell what time it is. 6.74, she says. Is it 3 o'clock? A.M. or P.M.? Got to be A.M., bro. Okay. <laughs> 3 o'clock A.M. They're at school. They're at school. 860-522-9842. The BPS Lawyers Traffic Center. Mark Christopher had a long weekend of relaxation, staying up late watching the Super Bowl, and now he's dragging. It's the Todd Feinberg Show, live from the NJ Diet Studios on WTIC News Talk 1080. 
Oh, yeah. One of the myths of Social Security is that the money goes into a special Social Security fund as opposed to the general fund. But the truth is it's all in a general fund, at least that's what we're supposed to hear this hour from a guest who uh, is from the Mises Institute. And Ryan McMacken is arguing that we really don't have any rights to that money because it just gets dumped into the general fund of the United States. So, yeah, it's ours on, a, on an accounting basis, and the government's made a commitment to us. But if the government is going to be run into bankruptcy, if we are at $32 trillion worth of debt right now, growing by a couple trillion a year, and... And, and we just have no control over our government spending because government is now using our tax dollars as a way to purchase votes, how are we supposed to survive? How is the country supposed to hold together? Because now they're, what we can see, I think, do you see this? Do you see where we are right now? They are using our dollars. Every government policy being made is, if you look at it and test it, you will see that every government policy is being proffered as a way to hold power for the people offering that policy. And that's just how it works. So how do we survive this? How do we survive it? I don't I don't know why. Um, well, I do. I guess I know why we're calm about it, because we think that somehow this all works out. Somehow we think everything works out. We trust. But our government is not trustworthy, and we have to come to terms with that. We do. We've got to come to terms with it. We're not reaching our guest. Oh, we got to get him because I'm so psyched to talk about this. There are, you know, most of the um, most of what we're looking at with government failure and, and government breach of contract with us is not so direct as Social Security. Like we are desperately counting on as a nation that every and as individuals that everybody's going to have the Social Security money. Because you have you paid into it for decades. But what happens once the country starts teetering. Do you not believe that can happen? Do you not think that we can fail? Is America too big to fail? Uh, too big to fail? Well, who, if it's too big to fail, who can afford to save it from failure? 860 How does that work, do you think? I don't get how we can avoid it, and yet we are so comfortable with the idea that somehow America lasts forever. Social Security, this is what he writes, is not an insurance program. A Social Security account bears no legal resemblance whatsoever to a bank, checking, or saving account. Social Security bestows no contractual rights or any other type of property rights on workers. In other words, Social Security, as it is currently structured, has nothing to do with legally enforceable promises or guarantees. There is no trust fund 
as that term is commonly understood. No funded segregated accounts, no IOUs or bonds stored in some lockbox or anywhere else for that matter. Social Security is neither solvent nor bankrupt. And uh, then the author cites a court case where this is ruled on by the U.S. Supreme Court back in 1960. It set the record straight, he says. The Social Security is actually nothing more than an umbrella term for two schemes that are legally unrelated, a taxation scheme and a welfare scheme. So get that phrase. They are legally unrelated, the two things. They collect the money from us. They tax us to get the Social Security money. And they promise a social program for when we retire. But those two things are not linked. There is no connection between the money we pay in and the money we are owed. Does that scare you a little bit? Even a little? Not a little? Does it even? No? Because as far as I can tell, trouble is coming for this country. There is nothing about any path that we're on that should make us feel comfortable from what I see. I see nothing but trouble. Workers and their families have no legal claim grounded in the Fifth Fifth Amendment or elsewhere on the FICA tax payments that we make into the U.S. Treasury or that are made on our behalf. Those funds are gone, commingled with the general assets of the U.S. government and fully available for purposes unrelated to Social Security. That is, they can use it to build bombs or to build ships that don't work. Being mere welfare recipients, not creditors or holders of equitable property rights, workers have hopes or expectations of future benefits, but no enforceable rights to them. That's pretty tough stuff. Let's talk to Ryan McMakin now. Is that the way to say your name, Ryan? That's exactly right, yes. Well, good. Thank you for being here. I'm totally um, enthralled by your your article and scared to death by it because I just see our government as having no ability right now to uh, to do anything that makes any sense or to provide any uh, guarantees to us uh, that anything down the road is going to be the way they say it's going to be. So fill us in on, on I, I've just been reading through a couple of your paragraphs and talking about them at the beginning that define the fact that there is no connection between the money we are taxed and the benefit we are promised. Right. Well, of course, the courts have been clear on this, right? Way back in the 60s, people wondered, well, do I have like a contract with the federal government? Is there a trust fund somewhere? Is it actually my money? And the Supreme Court just came down in two different major cases and just said, no, no, it's a, it's a welfare program and it's a tax. That's all it is. And so you could have one without the other. You completely abolish uh, Social Security payments and keep the tax, and all that tax just does is it goes to the federal government. But the federal government loves to keep alive this myth that they have this obligation, even though they have no legal obligation, to people who paid the Social Security tax all these years. But it's very careful to say you didn't pay in, because you didn't pay into anything. There's no account you have anywhere. All you did was pay a tax for a long time. And then that tax went to other people who 
were collecting a government check. So that's all that happened all those years you were working. It's all that happens all these years I've been working. Well, you're right? describing then a Ponzi scheme in which the the future success of the program depends on more people paying money in. in that so is that, correct. So the bill can be paid. Right. I mean, there's There's nothing in this system other than current workers are paying a tax that then gets spent on retirees. That's it. But it, it creates a nice political fiction because what it does is it, it helps perpetuate the system politically mm-hmm. in the sense of the fact that people are real, get really, really upset at just even suggesting that they don't actually have a Social Security account somewhere and that it's not their money. So when someone uh, collects a Social Security check, they tell themselves, oh, it's my money. Um, it, it's rightfully mine. The reality, however, is that money you got last month in Social Security check, it's nothing other than money that was taxed away from a current worker. And the only way then to get, quote, unquote, your money is to steal it from somebody else. That's all there is to it. <laughs> We're <laughs> talking no about Ryan, Ryan McMakin is with the Mises Institute, and we're talking about Social Security and the fact that there is no trust fund. There is no place where the money is stored, collecting interest, getting bigger and stronger in order to take care of us in the future. However, Ryan, it is a widely perceived um, necessity that the money is there. And because we believe it's in a trust fund, that creates a burden on the government to provide it and elected officials to I would think, put themselves at great peril to in some way violate expectations because they send out statements saying what you'll get when you get reached a certain age and you retire. So what's the future? Why should we be worried if we know that it would be politically suicidal for anybody to stand in the way of us getting what we're owed? Well, I think it would be politically suicidal to speak in terms of just simply uh, abolishing the program or speaking in terms of, oh, we're going to cut benefits. So what, they, what they're going to do, and it's inevitable, and this is the whole reason I wrote the article, is because the French are currently in the middle of a debate, and they just passed it. It's going to happen. Uh, they raise the Social Security age because that functionally reduces benefits. Now, the yes. United States already did that once in 1983 because they recognized that they would be underwater soon in, the terms of, in, in terms of the fact that the money coming in from the tax would be insufficient to cover uh, what the politicians say they'll pay. So rather than raise the tax, they raise the retirement age. Right. They raise the retirement age, or, or they can inflate away the value of future payments. So there's two ways that you can essentially cut the payment in real terms, or at least the amount that's paid out of the Mm -hmm. system. And that's what we're looking at now. So it's inevitable that they'll start raising the age again. Uh, Not sure what the timing is going to be on that. Uh, But that has been proven to be not impossible politically. Because they did it. Yeah, they've done it before. And they'll do it again. And what they'll also do is just make sure that the cost of living adjustments to Social Security are actually less than the real inflation rate, so that the money they then pay out through Social Security gets has less and less purchasing power. So those are the schemes they'll use. Um, but uh, they've managed to create a situation where people just love the Social Security system and think they're just getting their money back. It's not the reality, but, I mean, that's, 
uh, that's what's going to happen. Well, so far it's reality. So that allows people, at least it's perceived to be, with the adjustment that you described happening uh, 40 years ago or so. But what, uh, what kind of timetable might we expect for something to happen to Social Security? Because we hear about how it's going broke or it's broke right now. What's the... What kind of trajectory are we on right now? Well, I think it would just depend on how quickly then the uh, the federal uh, outlays become overwhelmed by debt payments. So that would put a lot of additional pressure on it. Because what you've got right now, you've got a $30 trillion debt. And the only reason that you're able to, to make the payments on that huge debt, because federal debt's like any other debt, right? You've got to make regular payments on it. And the only reason they could even do that without taking huge slices out of all the other federal programs is to keep interest rates real, real low. So that's been a huge motivation to keep interest rates down around 1%, 2% or below. But once uh, the federal government loses control of interest rates, as they're doing a little bit now, you're starting to see it up and go up mm-hmm. 4 or 5% in the 10-year uh, the more that larger trend continues, which would be more of a normal trend, the whole 1% thing is abnormal. And so the, the normal trend is for it to go up, and that's just going to mean you're going to have to come up with uh, hundreds of billions, if not trillions of new dollars just to pay service on the debt. And so that money's going to have to come from somewhere, and some of it's going to come out of Social Security. So, so when are you thinking that might happen? Oh, well, it depends on uh, if, it, if the interest rate starts to go up fast, they're going to start talking about it in five years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they're going to start talking about it for Gen Xers and then millennials and that, oh, this gives you enough time then to save yes. and all of that. So <laughs> I, I think it'll just be it'll it'll be inevitable. All right. We've got one minute left. Give us another thought. Well, I just think it's important to not rely on this stuff for your retirement. I probably got more mail, uh, emails from this article than I have from any other article in years. And I write like 200 articles a year. And uh, so it was amazing that the number of people, when you talk about raising the rate, and of course, raising the, or raising the age isn't going to affect anyone who's working right now. Uh, or who's retired right now or near retirement, mm-hmm. but saying that, hey, I have a physically hard job, I have to retire at 65, and I expect my payment. So I'm shocked at the number of people who had never occurred to them when they were 40 that they should save more money if they have a difficult or physically taxing job. So there are still millions of Americans out there who are just counting on the government to pay their way. And so uh, that's, uh, that's a problem, but that's the reality. Ryan McMakin, what's the title of the article? Uh, it's, uh, it's it talks about how uh, you know I can't remember the. <laughs> it talks about how just the oh the social money. security taxes aren't your money. I guess is the title. yeah. Does I that mean, sound right? just, that's just the reality. Yep. Go to Mises.org, M-I-S-E-S.org, the Mises Institute, Ryan McMahon. Appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. It is uh, not reassuring news, but it's good to get the truth. Thank you much. Appreciate you being here. 860-522-9842. Traffic update, then some news. Listen to... T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. The Todd Feinberg Show on the free Odyssey app. Download and like WTIC and follow Todd Feinberg today. WTIC, what's happening? 860-522-9842. Yep, it's us here on a Monday afternoon. I think if you're trying to call in, I think the phone lines are, uh, I've gotten a couple of messages saying the phone lines are are just giving a fast, busy signal. Can you check on that, Roland, and see if uh, see if those things are working? Because uh, it's frustrating if you want to reach us and you can't. It is supposed to be it is supposed to be the original social media, right? Rant line number 860-751-4698. We'll do the rants in about 35 minutes. And in just a couple of minutes, we'll be joined by our Monday afternoon guest. You remember who we have on? You remember Chris Powell? Journal Inquirer. He's coming up in a few minutes. And always good on these kinds of subjects about how, um, you know, truth-telling. Like our guest, Ryan McMakin was. We are led to believe by our government that our Social Security money is sitting in a trust fund, just accruing interest, and there's nothing that can come between us and our promised benefits. That's not true. And most of what we believe about government isn't true. It's fascinating to me how these myths get propagated by people we trust. I guess the question is, why do we trust them? Why do we trust them? Why do we trust? And what, where did that come from? I guess it, it's infused in school. We learn in school, right? For years, we get trained on how our system of government works and how wonderful it is and how everything's the way it should be. And we're taught to respect the people who hold those offices and believe what they say. And we respect the process and we respect the balance of power between the branches of government and all that stuff. And then the people who hold the current power are always telling us stories about what they're doing and making it seem like it's just glorious what they do. 
But um, that is not the reality of things at all, as far as I can tell. You have an opinion on that? Well, let's hear about it. If you can get through, 860-522-9842. It really is a tragic thing. And I sound like I'm harping. I feel like I sound like I'm harping, and I am, I guess. But I don't want it to feel that way. It's a revelation to me. I'm in shock. My whole experience here at WTIC has been one of learning from the, from the state government about how horrible state government is. And they've done a good job teaching, but it's hard to let go of these preconceived notions of legitimacy and efficacy. It's tragic that we're in this situation, and we've got a lot of work to do to educate everybody so everybody can come to terms with it. Let's go to the BPS Lawyers Traffic Center, Mark Christopher. Hello, Mark. Now back to the Todd Feinberg Show, live from the NJ Diet Studios on WTIC News Talk 1080. Oh, yes, yes, yes. WTIC. And a good afternoon to you. It is delightful to have you here. This week, every time on this day, at this particular moment, we talk to Chris Powell from the Journal Inquirer. Chris, welcome back. Good to talk with you, sir. Oh, great to be with you, Todd. So what's on your mind? You get so cranky sometimes this time of the week. <laughs> you should talk, huh? <laughs> I'm cranky. <laughs> Good point. I'm, I'm cranky for a few minutes, three days a week. You're, you're cranky for how many hours? <laughs> I guess I have to stretch mine out. You, you pack all your punch into a few minutes of reading. But it, but it must take you a lot of time to grind out all that crankiness into a few minutes of reading. Well, I, I've gotten better at it than I was years ago, but it is a investment of time and spite. So, uh, it, You know, it's, uh, it gets more stunning all the time because the thing we're looking at is this um, degrading of what was in our country. And, and people have this tendency to get locked in on a on an, um, a narrative about what the country is or what the state is and what what our strength is. And everyone looks at those things as permanent things because that's just how human beings behave. At whatever point we absorb the narrative, that's permanent. And it's really hard for us to update it. And we have this bias towards assuming that uh, everything we believe to be true 30 years ago is automatically still true. But that's not the case, is it? No, it's 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 not. I I happen to feel that uh, Connecticut and the country are really uh, in a, a wash in a tidal wave of uh, of social disintegration, and uh, uh, because it has come up on us gradually, I think most people think, well, this is the you know the normal condition, uh, but it wasn't this way even you know a few a few decades ago. That's really what my column I guess today was uh, was about there's a a movement afoot at the state capitol to uh, uh, remove uh, so-called school resource officers police, police officers from mm -hmm. from uh, from school systems uh, the accusation was made at a rally the other day that uh, the uh, police and schools are actually causing crime because uh, they, you know, if the cops weren't there, they wouldn't be arresting people. Well, you know, that doesn't doesn't mean that the bad stuff wouldn't be happening. No, there's no they're... crime if you don't arrest anyone. <laughs> well, that's that's really what it, it, they seem to be be <laughs> saying. Uh, 
And even Senator Winfield, who's the Senate chairman of the Judiciary Committee, has, has put a, a bill in that would supposedly clarify the terms that school resource officers uh, work by. But uh, he, too, seems to want to take the uh, the cops out of schools on, on the grounds that they're they're causing crime uh, by arresting people when, you know, really they're just responding to it. The the funny thing was that even as these people were rallying at uh, at the Capitol to call for you know, really making it illegal to have cops in, in school, uh, there were gun or knife, knife incidents uh, at schools in Waterbury and Hamden, uh, Meriden, and Manchester. And I guess last week in Manchester, uh, there's another serious uh, incident at Manchester High School where a student uh, uh, pushed an administrator down and causing him with some serious uh, injury. Uh, now, <laughs> I, he was arrested. And, uh, you know, I don't think the uh, uh, the cops are, are, are causing this. It's, it's like these people don't, don't see... Uh, the you know the the repeat juvenile offenders that we have and the the constant clamor for uh, putting mental health clinics into uh, into schools. Do you have any sense of what's driving this? Uh oh. Did we lose Chris? Because we've been having some uh, funky phone issues, Chris. So don't give up on us, but. His voice has disappeared, even though the connection still remains. Because the, the, that's the question. What is driving this? It's one thing, it's one thing to, to um, quietly in the background, as Democrats have been doing, trying uh, to take us off of, of uh, oil and gas and natural gas and, you know, those fossil fuels for, for heat and for, for driving. <clears throat> Excuse me. And they, they can want us to be off of those things and they can imagine us being off of those things. But eventually we will be in crisis because we won't have a replacement for those things. And they'll that will serve government well, I think, for the big government crowd, because they will cause tragedy to happen with this climate change policy that they pursue. And that will empower government to be the only thing that has the ability to in any way help us that's how i see it anyway but if you're taking resource officers out of school well then aren't the schools going to be scared aren't the people who operate the schools going to be panicked doesn't that make trouble at the schools and isn't there a, an immediate political problem that develops because of that that's the thing I'm wondering. Where are the administrators? If administrators are getting attacked at school, shoved down and injured, if people are coming in with guns and knives, and I mean, don't they want the cops to be there? That's the thing that's hard to fathom. 860-522-9842. Let's see if we can reconnect with Chris. Hey, Chris. Hey, sorry about that, Todd. Looks like we got uh, disconnected there. Yeah, we're having trouble with uh, with our phone lines today. But uh, so it's our apology to you. But anyway, you were the the question I wanted to ask was, uh, how does this play out? Aren't the schools 
rising up and yelling and screaming right off the bat at the idea of losing their school resource officers. Well, I don't know if they responded to uh, the rally at the uh, the Capitol last week, but uh, I know some school officials have have defended the uh, school resource uh, officers. I mean, I just uh, I'm a little disappointed that even a uh, a senator like uh, Gary Winfield uh, t- doesn't seem to notice the uh, uh, distress that uh, students have in school now. I, I was saying that uh, uh, we have this clamor around the state to put more mental health clinics in in schools. Well, you know, the, the school resource officers aren't driving the kids crazy. The kids are, are coming to school disturbed. Uh, you know, this, this problem of, of disturbed kids is not starting in school. It's starting in, in people's homes. And uh, we can't seem to uh, uh, acknowledge that uh, officially, legislatively, uh, or, you know, even, uh, even, even in the press. Um, instead, we're going to blame the cops for, uh, for, the, for the kids misbehaving in school. So this is a, a shifting of responsibility, I guess, because in debates on education, Democrats have been quick to say that you can't educate a lot of the kids because they don't come from good homes. Like, that's been one of their narratives, one of their defenses. Well, they're, they're certainly neglected at home. Uh, but I, I, I don't really see much acknowledge, acknowledgement of, uh, uh, of, of that. Uh, look, the state education department says right now that uh, our uh, chronic absenteeism rate in Connecticut's public schools is now up to 25%. Uh, I, I don't think school resource officers are why kids aren't coming to school anymore. Uh, they're, 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 they're missing so much school uh, because they themselves and their parents don't see the necessity of coming to school. And I, I, I think they, they, there's something to their perception there because they know that the only educational policy we have in Connecticut schools is social promotion. They know that uh, whether they learn anything or you not. You must graduate. Yeah, well, you're going to be promoted from grade to grade, you know, if, even if you don't learn anything, and you're going to be given a high school diploma afterwards, even though you know not, nothing. Uh, I think, uh, good Lord, how many years ago was it, five or six, the uh, uh, decision by Judge McCausher in one of the school finance cases, he, he, he recounted at some length the constant graduation that Connecticut is uh, performing for, for illiterate students, especially in, in the cities. Well, if the kids know that they're going to be advanced from grade to grade uh, without learning anything and given high school diplomas without learning anything. And if their single, uh, you know, parents know that, uh, you know, they're going to get uh, a welfare stipend and a, uh, a Section 8 housing voucher and food stamps and, and Medicaid and, and various other income supports uh, unconditionally, whether their kids get to school or not, uh, I, I can see how a great number of people would think that, hey, I don't have to go to school. There's no necessity for it. But to think about 25% not showing up for school, that's a, that's an emergency. Well, I, I do think the educators uh, in some of the cities and uh, and even in the state education department are beginning to figure that something's got to be done here. Now, that 25% figure doesn't mean that, you know, 25% of the kids are absent all the time. It means that at least 25% of them uh, are missing at least 10% of the instructional time. Uh, but teachers will tell you that, you know, even even that much, 
you know, missing uh, instructional time is a is a huge burden burden not only on the kids but on the teachers as they try to you know get the kids uh, caught up with the uh, uh, with the instruction. Well, um, sure, because they have to move together as a single unit, or they they don't get to move. Yeah, and exactly. That's a mess. But uh, look, if if there was a <laughs> if there was a criminal penalty in Connecticut for not getting your kids to school. Uh, the chronic absenteeism rate would go down. But there's no consequence for it. I mean, you know, you, they, the, the school might send a social worker around to ask, uh, hey, couldn't you uh, do a little more to get the kid to school? And can we help you in any way to get the kid to school? But uh, uh, there's no no penalty for it. Welfare benefits, food stamps are not tied to a parent's making sure that her kids get to school. I mean, there's, there really is no necessity to go to school in Connecticut anymore, and I don't think uh, we should be so mystified by the, the rising uh, absenteeism rate. All right. Well, thank you for the bad news. Good to get an update, Chris. <laughs> Let's do it again soon. All right. Chris Powell, Journal Inquirer. Thank you, sir. And the number here, 860-522-9842, rant line number 751-4698. We'll do the rants in about uh, 12, 13 minutes. And let's to talk to Rob Lick the Boot. Hello, Rob. Uh, yeah, hello. I'm glad you got me on. Uh... Well, I'm glad I got you on. But where'd you go? What is going on, man? This is, uh, we are trying to uh, get you on the air, and we're having our troubles, but um, they're working on the phones. If you're having trouble getting through, we uh, just try again in a few minutes. 860-522-9842. Keep dialing away at that number, and eventually you'll break through. Yeah, what Chris is talking about, this is, um, this is yet another of the crises that we face as it all comes apart, it feels to me feels to me that things are coming apart and that the destruction is being aggressively pursued by those who are uh, pushing certain agenda items like there shouldn't be school resource officers in the school when the schools are already struggling to maintain order. What exactly are they up to? Do you see any positive that can come from this? It just looks like trouble to me. Looks like bad trouble. And and the only thing I can figure is that these are policies that don't have any rational support. Other than this sense that Democrats need to nurture that somehow the kids who are going to the the urban schools the that are the worst of the public schools that that those that they need to be pandered to that those families need to be uh, given a marketing campaign of it's somebody else's fault. Somebody else has made a mess of these schools. And the only somebody else is the people who run the schools. So I don't know that getting rid of the school resource officers is going to be the improvement that you need. Because the school resource officers aren't the educators. And the administrators 
are a whole different group from the school resource officers. And the politicians who oversee those communities and oversee those school systems are not the school resource officers. So it sounds like scapegoating going on. But if you've got something to clarify, if you've got another angle on it, I'd love to hear it because this is just confounding, this idea that they want to get rid of school resource officers. 860-522-9842. Yep, rants coming up in about 10 minutes. We take phone calls during the rants. Don't forget. We do. And we'll get ourselves a you know top-of-the-hour news update, traffic and weather together on the 8th. And then we'll be right back at it as we go off to the BPS Lawyers Traffic Center now and talk to Mark Christopher. Mark, Monday afternoon, does that mean light traffic? T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.